This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In the meantime, college football depends on what part of the country you're in, but games are being canceled, some are being moved, postponed. Coaches, Nick Saban uh, now has tested positive for COVID, so a lot going on and in our own backyard where are the Badgers going to play? Uh, because they're saying that, uh, you know, some areas are going to be shut down. Other areas are not going to be allowed to be used. And uh, to talk more about it, Jeff Patrikas, uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, covers the Badgers. Jeff, so uh, is is right now the way the, the orders stand in Wisconsin, is that going to inhibit the uh, the ability to play games at Camp Randall? No. No, they're, they're fine. The only thing that the issue is that they've decided not to have fans in the stands. And not even family members, but no, the games are going to be fine. Okay, so that out of the way, uh, will that be something that you think that's going to carry out through the entire season, or just for the first game? Yeah, there's there's not going to be an issue. I don't. I, I guess I'm I'm a little confused. There, there there is no issue with Wisconsin being able to play football games, other than no, no. My my question is is whether or not they're going to have fans in the stands for oh, for any oh, games yeah, at all no, this season. I I don't anticipate you're going to see fans in the stands. The, the the thing that you would need would be for, for the virus numbers to go way down, and they're trending up. Uh, so I I would be shocked to see a reversal um, where they allow fans in the stands. Give us an idea of what, because we know college life is different than the life in the pros, obviously. And you know, guys and girls want to get out and they want to mix and they want to mingle. And what is life like right now for a, a collegiate football player? Well, the one thing is it's it's virtual classes, so you don't. It's not like you have twenty, fifty, a hundred, two hundred kids in a in a classroom. Um, you do have interactions on campus, but if you're a football player or a basketball player or whatever your sport is, hockey, what you've got to try to do is is very simple. You get tested every day. You have your contact with your teammates, and if you want to. Do everything you can to stay safe. You create as best you can your own bubble. That means go from the facility or the training room home and don't interact with anybody. Hang out with people. Don't have parties. Don't go to parties. Don't go to bars. It's not a, if, if you want to have a normal lifestyle as a college student, you're going to enhance the risk of catching the virus and being shut down for three weeks and affecting your teammates. So let's talk about the actual team. Um, you know, Graham Mertz is going to be the guy, or at least that appears. You tell me how ready he is to take over. Well, he's he's physically very talented. I mean, we could see that when he enrolled early, because he enrolled a semester early and participated in spring ball, not last spring because there wasn't any, but the spring before. 
And then we saw him in camp. And you can see the physical tools, but last camp he wasn't ready. The, the offense, you could tell he was doing too much thinking because he didn't have a full grasp of the offense. He didn't have the experience. Um, haven't seen him practice, though, since last August. So we're talking 14, 15 months, last time I really saw the kid practice. But the only question I have is, will he be ready to read the defenses? Uh, plays a, a really good Illinois defense in week one. Lovey Smith's really sharp. I'm sure they're going to have some looks that he's not expecting. How does he handle that? Is he ready for the blitzes? Um, but physically, he's got all the tools you want. Uh, I was reading your piece the other day about the, the virtual classrooms and about guys studying both not only via the uh, you know the classroom when it comes to football, but obviously the classroom on campus. But when it comes to putting all these guys in, in, in rooms to be able to go over plays and look at things, are they doing it everybody together? Are they doing it apart? Uh, I mean, I know that they get around their teammates, but are they after practice trying to segregate them as much as possible so there is no you know, a possibility of continual spreading if there is one? Well, you haven't, you have, they have it set up. I, I can't speak to all schools, but UW has – as individual meeting rooms for units set up that they can do that. But their, their biggest, you know, they're comfortable with the daily testing that if they test on a Monday, whatever, let's pick one day of the week and everybody's clean, they're going to believe in the results of those tests. And they're not going to worry about, you need to stay away from this guy or stay away from that guy. Um, Because that's, and they have talked about that all along as far as back as August, that, we want daily testing so we can be comfortable that these guys can work out together um, on the practice field, in the meeting rooms, et cetera. Talking about the defense, we talk so much about the offense, but about the defense. Uh, obviously up front, they've got some changes when it comes to the pass rush, but then again in the, in the secondary, Cesar Williams, uh, Wild Goose, those guys, uh, it's, it's, a pretty, it's not a, a group of names that we become extremely familiar with. But it's a pretty solid group, and their focus this year, I was reading a little bit, that uh, the, the turnovers more so than anything. It's not just coverage. It's about actually getting turnovers and changing the flow of a game. Yeah, they're, they're set. They have, they have a really good, experienced front, okay, all across the board, and nose tackle. In the back end, Jim's got, I want to say, seven guys who he's played cornerback who have started at least one game. He's got three safeties he feels really comfortable with, and then some other young guys that they're evaluating the biggest question marks are at linebacker. Um, you've got some question marks on the inside and the outside because you lost Chris Orr and Zach Bond. So, you know, the, the turnovers, if they can get as much pressure as they have in the past, that should enhance their opportunities, but the, they may have to depend a little more getting pressure from the defensive line than the linebacker spots this year, at least early, because, you know, you lost, you know, two dozen sacks, and 30-plus tackles for loss with the departure of Bond and Orr. And I'm really curious to see if they can get some productivity from some of the younger guys who have to step up. If they can't, and you don't get as much pressure, you can talk about forcing turnovers all you want. But if that quarterback's got more time to scan the field, you're not going to get as many picks as you would like. Illinois has been uh, a program on the come. Levy, Lovey Smith has done a pretty good job at getting some talent, obviously to beat the Badgers down there. Um, so talk a little bit about this Illinois program coming into uh, Camp Randall next Friday night. Well, they've got some stability at quarterback finally. He's got a really good defense. They did. They, I want to say they finished fourth among FBS teams in turnovers forced last year with about 24. They did a really good job and turned 
three turnovers against Wisconsin into 17 points in that 24-23 victory last year. That was, to me, that was the stat of the game. Because if Wisconsin doesn't turn the ball over, they don't lose. And Illinois not only turned it over, then Wisconsin's defense didn't do a good job shutting Illinois' offense down. So that's the way Lovey has won, you know, really with a, a defense that takes the ball away. I'm not sure how strong their offense is going to be early in the season, but I think they're going to have to rely on their defense. And, and again, does Wisconsin with a, a new quarterback, does, do they do a better job taking care of the ball this time against Illinois than they did last season? Well, that's going to be the big question. I guess Graham Mertz, for, like you talked about the physical talent, it's what's between the ears and the decision-making process. You would assume Lovey Smith, and you had mentioned the defense, very, very good at disguising some things, too. I saw last year they they mixed it up. I mean, they played tight, don't get me wrong, but it was almost like at times they kind of baited you into a couple of things, and they were a little more savvy than than uh, I remember in years. And I didn't really, I could be honest with you, I didn't pay a ton of attention to Illinois football because it wasn't that relevant. But last year they baited into a little bit, uh, uh, kind of some coverages that you thought were there and then they weren't. And it was interesting the way they played defense. And, and I would assume they're going to do the same for a year, very young and inexperienced quarterback at UW. Yeah, I'm guessing that they will try to get after him. Now the, the key will be, do you keep your young quarterback out of third and long situations? Or second long and then third long situations. Is it is it second and medium? Is it third and short where they can't just pin their ears back and say, okay, we're going to see what this kid's got. We're going to pressure him. We're going to play man, you know, man coverage on the outside because Quinta Cephas is gone, and we're going to see if we can rattle this kid. So, you know, I'm sure that will be their plan, and then we'll be up to Wisconsin to keep the young kid out of disadvantageous third down situations. Talk about the wide receiving core, uh, Pryor and La- Van Lannan and, and Davis. And I, do they have that guy or two? I mean, you know, Quintus Cephas was extremely good last year, not only in just flat-out speed, but he had an apex. He had ability to go up and get a ball. Do they have a guy or two like that? Well, Pryor and Danny Davis are the two most experienced guys. They have four seniors. Pryor and Davis are the two bigger playmakers. And you have Jack Dunn and Crummels. Um, who have been more role guys. And Krumholz, to be honest with you, has, has been a blocker as a receiver and, and a key special teams player. So can Dunn and Krumholz take a step forward? I don't know. The two guys to watch once you get past Pryor and Davis um, are f- f- the freshman from Waukesha North, Jamari DK, and nicknamed him, they call him Chim for short. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've said that A.J. Abbott, who's been in the system for a little bit, he has started to show more consistency because – I, I do not know how much productivity you're going to get out of Dunn and Crumbles in terms of catching the ball. I think Pryor and Davis will be fine, but I think you're going to need at least one young guy, maybe two to step up to give the quarterback more options. I had mentioned Van Lannan, that, that offensive line, we, for years and years, it was always the horses up front, and, and even when Barry was there, he took pride in that. Do they? Is, is it going to be more incumbent on the offensive line or to, to, to open up holes, obviously? Because I don't think they have a back, uh, and, and Garrett Groshek, as much as I like him, is he a back? He's not Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor kind of created his own stuff. This year it's going to be more incumbent on the offensive line to really kind of do its job. Would you see it that way? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to be solid just like they are every year. They think they have the pieces necessary. I think you're going to see, obviously, Van Lannan at left tackle. Um, they moved Logan Brust, the right tackle, in the right guard, put Tyler Beach at right tackle. Um, center has been Cormac Sampson and Caden Lyles. Lyles coming off an injury from last year. 
Um, so I think Sampson has a little bit of an edge there. He played like a jumbo tight end last year because they were so short on bodies at tight end. And the guard spots, it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, John Dietzen, having him back after missing a year, he's got a lot of experience. And if he's healthy, my guess is he'll be somewhere in the starting lineup. So maybe you might see him at left guard. I I think they'll be fine. I think they have the bodies to get a really good, solid offensive line. How solid it is early in the year without spring ball and with a short camp, I think you'll probably see some growing pains. Hey, Jeff, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, and we're talking with Jeff Patrikas of the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, covers the Wisconsin Badgers program. Uh, two things. One is, how difficult has it been or will it be for Paul Chris when it comes to recruiting and these future class or classes because of the pandemic? Uh, is it just, are you relying at this point on coaches sending you film and sending you video of these guys, or how are they getting that done? Everybody's in the same boat. You have to do it virtually. You have to find a way to make a virtual visit the best you possibly can and make it as close to, uh, you know, an in-person visit as you can. Um, but it, you know what, everybody's got to deal with that. Nobody's out on the road. You just can't. If they are, they're violating NC2A rules. Um, so you've got to, you know, as much as it's got to be virtual, I can't emphasize enough. It's still about relationships. If you're recruiting a kid, in an area where you're known, at a school where you have a good relationship with that coach, that certainly is going to help. That doesn't change, whether it's a in-person visit or you're talking to some kid on a Zoom session. But that's what people have to get the hang of. And quite frankly, I haven't seen any evidence to this point that their recruiting has slowed down or been affected um, by the fact that they can't out and see kids face-to-face right now. And then uh, you talked uh, real quick about the basketball program. Um, my assumption is the exact same thing. No fans in the arena. Uh, they're just forging forward, just kind of waiting for things to unfold, correct? Well, they don't even have a schedule yet. I mean, they're right. still trying to piece together a schedule. So there are a lot of questions there, a lot of medical issues that have to be overcome. Um, you lose a kid for three weeks if you test positive. That can really affect things. And one thing Greg Gard mentioned the other day is, like, if we're on the road and the kid tests positive, we don't even know yet, does he stay there? Does he quarantine there for, for two weeks and then come back? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you put him in a bus and alone and bring him back? Look, all sorts of questions that you have to have answered. I mean, again, like I said, they still don't even have a schedule put together. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tricky navigating all of these waters. Something we've never had to cha- you know kind of deal with before. Jeff, it's always great to talk to you, man. Appreciate it so much, and thanks for joining us. Okay. Okay. Take care, Bill. Let's talk to you later. There you go. Jeff Patrick is uh, joining us in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, you can find him at JPO, J-A-Y-P-O, 1961, over there on Twitter. Find his stuff there. And uh, good for him to join us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair 80-plus years. They've been doing it. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.